during the protection courses at Michael Ellis's School for Dog Trainers in California, Michael gives a lecture on the drives and forms of aggression. This is part five of that uh, lecture. Like once you start to read dogs well then, and you start to get a, a, a hand on it, then again, the dogs give you warning signs. Very few dogs are fully committed to biting you and then suddenly leaping off and going somewhere else. Uh, you can feel when they're, st like they, and they usually give you other warning signs. They, you can feel it in their bite, they start to growl, they start to stress, their body language changes, they start to pull away from you. These other things start to happen first, and if I keep pushing them with that pressure, yes, then maybe they jump off. But usually they've given you plenty of sign that they're about to do it. Very, very, it's exceedingly rare that a dog will be fully committed, digging in and biting somewhere, and all of a sudden jump off somewhere else. That's really weird. They usually give you lots of warning that's happening. Now, uh, beginning decoys get bit that way. Uh, sometimes. <laughs> I, 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 won't, I won't lie to you. They do because they're, they don't see all the precursor signs because they're not paying attention to that stuff yet and they keep doing something and then the part of their body that's getting bit doesn't have enough life in it or doesn't have enough energy in it and the dog says, hey, look, he's leaning over and he keeps staring at me. Nothing's happening here. The dog starts to show all the whining, warning signs. They don't change what they're doing and the dog leaps off and tries to bite him in the face or tries to bite him in the hand or whatever else it is. So that's a possibility for sure. But generally, once you start to get familiar with the behavior of a dog, and I usually recommend with beginning decoys, you have no business doing sticking your face in the down over the dog anyway at that point. You should get much more comfortable with what's happening before you start doing that kind of thing. But as you progress, the dogs give you plenty of warning, almost always. Feeling it in the sleeve, and their body language, and their voice, and everything will change, right? So you, again, the dogs don't go from, they start to go, and then you go, ooh, that's too much. <laughs> and you alleviate the pressure so that they don't leap off or whatever else it is, right? Or I stress them, and then I, if they start to show me stress signs, I let them win, or I, I shift my behavior, I turn the pressure off, whatever, <clears throat> and bring it back in little increments until they're non-reactive to it. Right. So with all of our stressors, uh, again, our basic rule of thumb is always off the bite first. So if you take anything about stressors away with you, that would be one of the things. Don't institute any new stressor the first time while the dog's biting. Do it when they're off the bite, they're frustrated, see how they're going to respond so that they don't superstitiously associate it with biting. So if they have a bad reaction and they're biting, then they associate that emotional state with biting and we potentially damage their, their biting. So to be conservative, we always show the dog some kind of stressor, new environmental stressor, personal pressure, uh, physical pressure, like threatening kind of physical pressure. I even touch the dog with the stick when they're not biting. I get the dog really frustrated, so they're chasing, and then I push them with the stick a little bit to see how they respond to being touched with the stick. I move it around, anything, but introduce those stressors when the dog's not biting, so if the dog starts to have a bad reaction, we can alleviate the stress in return. And then once the dog is non-reactive to it, then we'll eventually do it in small doses while they're actually biting. But we want to bring that in carefully. That's one of the mistakes that people frequently make. The dog looks really good, the dog's biting with good energy, and so suddenly they go, wow, with the stick, and the dog's like, whoa, and shoots off the bite. Because the dog had not seen the stick up to then, you surprised him, he's like, what the heck is that? And that dog has a bad experience that he now associates with biting, and now you have to bring him back and try to build him back up again, which can be a big problem. Yeah, so, well, it's, yes, so, the, yes, so as a training decoy, your whole job is to make the dog think he can beat you, right? So... At first, that's responding to any aspect of his power. So 
If I look at the dog and he barks at me, it's as if he punched me, right? So he feels like he's beating me up. So as my, I always, and then later on, I'll challenge him in incrementally more assertive ways. I'll be, but I, but I always let him win. So in training, uh, my job is to, the dog wins in the end always, right, as a decoy. So I may fight him really, really hard, uh, if it, depending on where he is in the progression. I've built it up, and now I, I really put it on him. I give him a 30-second fight. I'm hitting him with sticks. I'm banging him into things. But in the end, he beats me, right? So in training. And then we hope that he carries that on and gets stronger and stronger and stronger so that he gets to a point where nothing that anybody will do to him in his career, his chosen discipline, whatever it is, will, will shake his confidence. He knows in his heart that he can beat this thing. Right? And that's our goal in training always, to make the dog stronger, more confident, better, uh, is the goal. So um, how the dog wins depends a lot on the dog, their motivation, what's rewarding to them, and how long and how much I can stress them before they win is a function of the dog's genetic confidence and where they are in the training process, how far along they are. So if it's just the object, so if my dog, for instance, um, is uncertain about something new, things that make noise. Then you playing with the dog can make noise with certain things and the dog gets desensitized to that and it gets habituated to them and then it no longer bothers them. So for sure the handler can do that kind of thing. So you could be waving the stick around uh, with, with the dog and get the dog used to the stick that way and it would carry over uh, into lots of different situations. The place that it doesn't is when there's kind of intent behind it. When we get into the dogs and that pressure shifts from simply the item an environmental thing to the way it's being wielded and it has an aspect of personal pressure or physical pressure that's coming with it and then the handler can't desensitize the dog to that, right? Uh, because the, the dog obviously knows you're not going to hurt him so the dog's in a certain state of mind with their handler that they're not in with this other guy that maybe will hurt them, right? So uh, you can desensitize the dog to the object or habituate the dog to the object. So like I recommend all the time, playing tug with your dogs in all kinds of environmental stuff, right? So I have plastic bottles around, I have things, I swing my dog onto these stuff, they rattle around, I kick them while I'm playing tug with them, I pick them up, I drop them, I do all this stuff while I'm playing with the dog, just kind of just goofing around making noise, and that definitely makes the dog better and less likely to be surprised by something like that in the future. But that doesn't mean that if you get somebody wielding it with some kind of intent, the dog's mind won't change and say, hey, that dude is not like my handler. He really means to do something to me with that thing. And then they, you can't, the handler can do nothing for that stuff, right? So a lot of the stuff that we talked about doing with your dog as a handler, um, there are skills for sure that the dog learns, like all the ones we talked about yesterday, but also bite work skills like targeting and conditioning and uh, habituation to new places and things like that that you can definitely do as a handler playing with your dog. Um, but the one thing, the things that you can't are the aggression things or anything that has to do with personal pressure or anything that has to do with those, you as a handler can't, can't deal with. It has to be with, with a decoy. This is the end of the five-part series that Michael reviews uh, the drives in forms of aggression that came from his protection class at his school in California. Michael runs a series of short courses at his school just uh, near San Francisco. You can go to his website and review the various courses he has and their costs.